assessment seemed to be the biggest limitation. You could innovate in your teaching, in your curriculum design, but not so much when it would come to testing. So I thought, let's become the expert and let's get to know almost all there is to know about assessment. So I will know what my wiggle room is and what I found Welcome back to Orbitz Consulting. My name is Manaz Zainuddin. This podcast highlights education communities from macro and micro angles, leadership, learning, personal and professional growth across multiple disciplines. Education is holistic and as vast and infinite as the cosmos. As we bring stories, interviews, talks, projects from around this globe, I extend Plutarch's famous quote that I had posted in the schools I have worked in. The mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. Uh, Today's guest got my attention through one of her posts on uh, professional media and the post narrated her move uh, with her family from the Netherlands to Thailand and uh, she attached photos in that post in the least to say they were so vibrant and so grounded, exactly what children and parents do together so harmoniously uh, with uh, their new environment. And there was this natural blend of this family in the greenery, in the open markets, and most beautifully, which I loved as well, the animals and the birds. So it was a purely organic scene, and she backed them up by words about true learning, children, the environment, and our power as humans to make a change. And this is exactly what made me contact her for the show today. Uh, Inge Rosendahl, she is a learning designer and consultant in higher ed and assessment and and didactics trainer. Inge, I'm very happy that you are joining us today and that we will be catching some of that vibrancy today on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Manal. Very happy to be here. Uh, Before we start our conversation, I would love to know more about your career journey briefly, especially that your experience involves um, the end result, for lack of a better word, you know, higher education and what children, children will, children you. and adolescents uh, will move to in the university uh, when you handle also the blended learning approaches, career coaching, connecting science and business, innovation and assessment. So I am certain that uh, this width and depth of disciplines shaped the educator you are now. Yes, so I've had uh, quite an interesting career journey. So I have a bachelor's in marketing and a master's in communication. As a child, I was very much into sustainability, the environment, nature, equality. Um, And somehow my first job ended up being a traineeship at an oil company. Um, After a couple of months... I concluded that that was not for me. So I finished the first year, saved up all my money, and I traveled for one and a half years to work in several places as a volunteer to understand what it is that I was seeking in life. 
in Ghana, South Africa and India, which was quite an interesting journey. And then I went back to the Netherlands and I landed a job at a, a NGO, which was focused on, on bringing um, decentralized solar energy um, to local communities. Learned a lot there, loved it, but was still communications and marketing. And then uh, after that, I decided to, to go into education. And I remember one of the managers saying like, aren't you too idealistic for education? Um, yeah. But after 10 years, I found out, no, definitely am not. <laughs> I think this is the foundation of where, uh, where development in all senses, uh, all meanings of the word starts. Well, that's, well, that was quite a journey. Yeah. I think it was adventurous as well. You know, sometimes we, we go on a path, we don't know where it will lead us, but it turns out perfectly well. Yeah, exactly. And um, education has brought me so much. Uh, in, in the beginning, I was working as a graduation uh, coordinator where I was coaching students to their graduation internships. And I learned a lot about all these students and their drives and their passions. And I really tried them to get insight in who they are and to find a placement in the workplace where they would fit so they wouldn't make the same mistake as I made back then. Yeah, there is, I think, this missing link. And you also mentioned having discussions with the children, even at an early age. And this was another point that I find so important. And I do this with my own children. And I can see the growth that it can project. It's, it's really fascinating. So you having all those hands-on experiences, because you were able to go out with them in the way you uh, described can you explain much more about that and how important these discussions with the children are? Yeah, it's, it's when there's no end goal defined to learning, but where you go somewhere and you go through these experiences and you see what the impact is. And the impact on all four of us was different, right? But if you talk about that impact, then you get this very meaningful interaction on how you resonate with the world and you learn from each other's worldviews. And I think the issue is that especially with a seven and eight year old, people think that you cannot have these discussions with young children, but yes. it's mind blowing when you have these conversations with them. They, they feel so much, they see so much, they look at things at a very fresh perspective, which also triggers some things in me and myself I think we learned equally as much from the children during that year as that they've learned from us. And I think especially the whole experiential part and giving that a meaningful framework, how we did all these activities also to show them that you can have a certain contribution to the world and how rewarding that is to, to feel worthy in this world and to see like, ah, I can have all these opportunities to make a difference in people's or animals' lives. And how does that make me feel that the world at this point, we have so many issues that need to be addressed. That we, there's never been so much inequality. We're suffering from the consequences of the deforestation, um, this whole climate crisis. We need to do something differently. There need to be thought about different economic 
models that take into consideration the welfare of the planet as a whole. We, we're just such a small element in such a big world. We cannot control everything. It's about contributing, feeling responsibility. Uh, and I think if you start nurturing that at a very young age, and that is done through meaningful conversations, we can really have an impact. Yes, I just love that because unfortunately, as parents, sometimes we underrate the capacity of children to understand and even to give uh, their input as well or to express themselves. So we think that they might not understand these issues. And um, I think that the moment we just sit with them and have this eye-to-eye -eye contact, uh, whether we're hugging and talking, whether it's on the couch or uh, at bedtime, or while taking a drive in the car or, or taking a walk, those moments are uh, can be well captured to discuss these points. And I think parents can catch these moments of, of learning uh, much more than in schools. Yes. Because I think as parents, we are able uh, to have this time when we can, in the afternoons, for example, go out with the children and direct their attention to certain things and listen to their opinions as well. So this is very important. And this connects to our, to our next question, because this also relates to what schools uh, need to do, taking this same approach, listening to, to children. So what do you think about this? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that that parents have a responsibility in that regard, but I definitely also see schools having to take their responsibility. Uh, again, it's not about the qualification and socialization only. You also have to contribute to the personification and you have to have these discussions. There's now so many different concepts popping up in education where uh, we see green schools, for instance, democratic schools, agor agora education, where this is more the emphasis and they're quite successful, um, where they're trying out new things to, to get out of this fixed mindset of how we used to look at education. So I think it's, that's where it starts and also to connect education more to what the world needs today. Also in elementary schools, Kids can do projects connected to lo their local community to have impact on the elderly or on animal shelters. Or maybe you can do a project for uh, an underprivileged community within the local environment or maybe even somewhere else in the world. Once kids from an early age work on these projects and see how it makes them feel to contribute to all these interesting things in which you can really have an impact and make a difference that nurtures also their ability to, to think beyond their own economical welfare at a later age. This is absolutely true. And imagine when schools work with children, whether it's elementary or even later in middle and high school, imagine these individuals going to the university with this right preparation. They're prepared for whatever there is out there in the world. Yep. So, and, and here it brings us back to higher education, Inga. You have more than 10 years of experience in higher education. And currently you work online for the University of Delft, Netherlands, as a trainer uh, on the assessment module 
mm-hmm. and the HU University of Applied Sciences, uh, also in the Netherlands as a chairman of the assessment committee. And during our talks, I noticed a very important point and that I also call for the models of assessment uh, that do not only connect learning outcomes to different assessment methods, but also models of assessment that are innovative, the non-traditional way of assessment. And I find this is necessary in both higher education and in schools because we have to open uh, new paths now and increase this pace towards measuring progress in non-traditional ways. So it would be great if you share with us more of your observations and probably some areas of of good practice, because this also relates in a way to what we were discussing, like in schools, there are the restraints of the curriculum and, you know, the fixed core subjects and the standardized testing. Uh, So how can, I don't know whether we can use assessment to uh, kind of facilitate the process and find some time for the other projects. Yeah, that's always a balancing act. I actually became an expert in assessment because I always heard it's not possible due to assessment if I had an idea Uh, and I tried to break open these frameworks, but assessment seemed to be the biggest limitation. You could innovate in your teaching, in your curriculum design, but not so much when it would come to testing. So I thought, let's become the expert and let's get to know almost all there is to know about assessment. So I will know what my wiggle room is. And what I found is that there actually is quite a lot of wiggle room that often we, we make these framework frameworks way stricter than what they initially were. So also in higher education, I, ca- I can do quite a bit to break free from the very traditional testing. And I see, especially in the Netherlands, there's especially in the universities of applied sciences, we're making a major move to move away from the assessment of learning to learn from assessment. And that's a completely different approach where we don't test to tick all the boxes all the time. Because how do you know that students actually learn something meaningful? And how do you know that they, that they did not already know what you've taught them? So we want to put that focus very much so on learning. And you do that by putting much more effort in formative feedback. So giving them feedback on an ongoing uh, basis and to have this constant discussions on what is quality of work, what are you doing? How can you improve your work? What are you learning? What are your learning objectives? So to really swap the models to make it more personalized rather than standardized. And you can even assess personalized in a standardized way, just giving students more freedom. This is awesome. What you just mentioned is that sometimes we do not have to put these restrictions and yet we do. Yeah. And we find ourselves teachers and even leaders confined to these within these restrictions. And I loved what you just said and how we can create this kind of balance because assessment and testing particularly is always the, I don't want to say the excuse, but it's always the answer. Well, uh, why can't we do these types of projects? Why can't we implement this program? It's always, well, we do not have time because we are preparing our students for tests, for tests, for school tests and the standardized international tests. So it's like a loop and uh, no one is able to to find a way out. And I think you 
just explained it perfectly well. And here I cannot but stir this in our conversation. Since you work in higher education and many of us acknowledge the drastic need to make changes in this domain. And I'm interested to know from you what changes need to be done better so that our youth can attain more skills in the university instead of being limited to or or even uh, driven by courses, credits, and GPAs? Yeah, I think f for me personally, is, is the biggest challenge now is to turn the model around where it's about uh, who am I as a student and who am I as a professional in my work field later on. Because currently we assume that students pick the field that they want to become a bachelor or a master in, and that their professional identity kind of follows from the courses and the curriculum that we offer. But it would be so much more interesting if we emphasize in each course that we're teaching in the complete curriculum, okay, so who are you as a student, as an individual? How do you relate to this course content? How does this define you as a work field professional? Who do you want to be? And to put their passions and their drives to work within all courses. So they can put emphasize and bring in knowledge and skills that they find interesting and to make it more personalized and to give them that space, but also to have these meaningful discussions. Because I think a lot of educators yes. feel that there is a lot of room uh, for personal reflection, but not so much within the classroom. But students don't do this by themselves because they've never been taught how to do that and the importance of it. But who are you okay. in connection to this course, in connection to the world? What will be your place in the world? Eh? What difference do you want to make? Yes, this is right. And in, in light of today's speed, uh, there is a plethora of information and knowledge and social media. So they need more of media and information literacy. They know they need to know where to direct their attention. It's not like before with limited information streams. Now the world is open through the internet and now it's even more with uh, AI. So they really need this guidance and orientation uh, done in a way that can can also touch their personality so that they can integrate it more in the world later yeah a bit tricky is that often in the end terms of our degrees knowledge is still one important pillar where if you want to do it more personalized you want to leave more room open uh, you don't want to say like we have a one-size-fits-all student that we deliver at the end of this bachelor but you want them to personalize their experience and feel that they're the person that they want to be at the end of the whole bachelor. And I think the, the biggest challenge is to find the wiggle room to do that in the end terms of a complete program. Within courses, I still think that there's a lot of room. Uh, but if you look at the coherence of a full program where you want to make it as open as possible, that's where the challenges still lie. And we have to experiment and try and fail at times to see um, how to approach this in the best way. Yes, because this remains a challenge in all countries all over the world, regardless of the system. Yeah. 
Inga, our conversation was enlightening today because it connected early childhood, even if through you, your role as a mother, to higher education. And from my point of view, this is still a uh, missing link in regenerating education, education systems and, and uh, also social norms. They separate these stages in the life of, uh, of a person, a thinker, a person who has the right to expand and grow rather than just to be confined to rigid systems and norms. So I want to deeply thank you for bringing your uh, subtle view on education, especially uh, when it's related to higher education and the way you're connected it and few of the approaches that we can adopt to take those bold steps. Thank you again. Thank you very much. It was lovely being here. Thank you. And now to the open-ended question, and this time I leave it to my guest, learning designer and consultant in higher education and assessment and didactics trainer, Inge Rosendahl. Inge? Yeah, the question I have is, so how do you connect with your students on a self-level, with whom they are and whom they want to be as a person and as a professional? So how do you connect with their inner drives and passions and how they wish to contribute to a thriving world for all living things?